Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Everybody, grab your Bibles this morning, if you would, and go with me to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. We're going to start a new series today, and the new series entitled Revival. And I want to set it up uh, just for a few moments, uh, because when I say revival, how many of you guys get an instant thought in your head? I just say revival and something comes to mind, right? Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's old revivals that you've heard about. Maybe it's a revival you experienced in your own life. Um, uh, maybe it was a big meeting type setting. Maybe it was in a tent. Did anybody ever experience revival in a tent? Anybody in here? Come on, somebody, okay? I noticed everybody that raised their hand had gray hair, whatever. Um, but we experience, you know, these, and so we say the word revival, and it solicits a, a thought and a response, and so I want to set it up um, uh, this morning as we go into this series so that we can all be on the same page, uh, because what we're going to discover is that the word revival, now revive is found in the Bible, but the word revival isn't necessarily technically found in the Bible, but here's the thing, we see the fruit of revival throughout all of Scripture. When God comes and revives his people, people, we see the fruit of that. And so what we're gonna do is we're kind of using that term loosely a little bit, but we're gonna do a study in the book of Acts. And the reason we're gonna go do a study in the book of Acts is because uh, it's one of the greatest, first and greatest revivals in all of history ever documented. And it's pretty phenomenal. There's been some great ones over the last many years, but this is one of the first and greatest revivals ever documented, and it is in Scripture. And so we're going to look at that. What does the word revival mean as we set it up today? It's an act or instance of reviving, a state of being revived, renewed attention to or interest in something, a new presentation or publication of something old. Okay, so here's what it's saying. It's saying this, that, that revival, is, it's not like it's birthing something brand new. What it's doing is it's taking an old thought, an old concept, or something that already exists, and it's fanning it into flame. It's bringing it back to the forefront. It's bringing it into people's attention. If you want some notes, you can shoot your hand in the air. We got some paper notes being handed out right now. You can also get those on the app. And so when we talked uh, over the next many weeks about a spiritual revival, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about people coming back to an understanding of God's word. We're talking about people getting back to reading God's word. You know that as a, a Christian, as a Christ follower, we have a great roadmap for our life, and it's called the Bible. Um, and it does, it's not just appearing on a screen on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. Um, but the Bible is there for us to pick up and read. But what do we want? We want people to be revived back to this hunger and this desire for God's word. Like, this is what I want. I need to read that for my life. That's, that's revival. It's, it's, it's people coming back to the understanding that being together in church as a community is, is important. And it's not only important, but it's essential for my spiritual growth. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. We fine-tune one another. I say this all the time, and I really do mean it, because um, some people are like, ah, it's just me and Jesus and my Bible. I'll tell you right now, you, Jesus, and your Bible equals weird a lot of times. You need some people around you to help you, uh, and I need people around me. Now, I go into Pastor Steve's office all the time, sit down, talk with him, ask him questions about Scripture. Hey, this is where I think I'm going this weekend. What's your thought? And he's like, well, you know, technically, the word revival is not really in the Bible. I'm like, it's not? And I get up here and just share, like, like, I knew that. All right? 
We sharpen one another. We make one another stronger. And so when we're talking about a spiritual revival, we're talking about people coming back to this hunger and this desire to meet together, to want to be together, not just on a Sunday morning, but we talked about small groups, right, gathering together in homes and talking about life and, and continuing to push each other forward into the call of God. Uh, you know, here's the thing is that you, you start talking about your career, and your career is essential, obviously. You've got to provide food for your family and for yourself, uh, but as we gather together, we begin to discover that I'm not on that career to make money. I'm in that career, come on, to win people to Jesus, to share the love of Jesus with other people, right? And when we meet together, that happens. We're talking about people being revived back to a place of worship. Man, that when we come in and what we did this morning, that, that this isn't the only time we do that, but we find ourselves doing that daily because, man, we're so passionately in love with Jesus. It's this love being rekindled. That's what we're talking about is spiritual revival, on a very practical and real sense, as we go, go into this series, spiritual revival, uh, really, uh, it means that we're walking in forgiveness with one another. Right? Like, revival is not this big concept that, oh, man, the church is packed, and worship is epic, and, man, the preacher is phenomenal, like he always is. Right? No, it's, it's very practical and very real. In that, man, when, when, when something happens, I'm, uh, I choose to forgive and I forgive quickly. But not only that, even more importantly, when I blow it, I choose to seek forgiveness and I seek it quickly. Are you with me? That's revival. Getting back to the, the things of God, getting back to the ways of God. This is what we're talking about when we mean spiritual revival. Give you this, uh, this little phrase I wrote, and it's gonna pop up on the screens for you. It says, spiritual revival is not something we bring about but rather something we position ourselves to be a part of. And it is started by the Holy Spirit. All spiritual revivals are God-ordained and God-initiated. Whether that's a personal being revived, listen to me, man, God wants to revive you every day. It's not that we have to go and go and say, God, and beg God. We just, through prayer, we position ourselves to be a part of what God's already doing, what he already wants for your life. He wants you to walk in forgiveness. He wants you to be quick to forgive others. Well, man, that's already his desire. What do I need to do? I need to position myself, and that's why throughout all of history, one of the greatest things we see as a part of revival is prayer. But I want you to know something. Prayer didn't bring about the revival. God's heart and desire has always been to revive his people. Prayer positioned us to hear and see what God was always doing. The Bible talks about it. He has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, what he's doing. Well, through prayer, what we do is we position ourselves to be a part of that, whether that be personal or whether that be corporate, church-wide revival. So as we talk about this, we're gonna look at a lot of different uh, stories in the book of Acts, because I think it's one of the greatest revival stories ever. Um, you might know it as the Acts of the Apostles. Really what it is is the Acts of the Holy Spirit using the Apostles, because the Holy Spirit is active and working through them. But like the great psalmist wrote, here's my prayer for all of us in Psalm 143, verse 11. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For whose sake? His sake. And we're revived, man, we're a conduit of his grace. For your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Here's the one thing I see in that prayer that the psalmist wrote is that it announced his dependency upon God. Because only God can bring about a revival, whether it be corporate or whether it be uh, individual or personal. Go with me now to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We're going to read 
Uh, just five verses today as we start out our series. Hopefully you write some things down, get some things out of it. Verse one, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, in my first book, I told you Theophilus. Now what's happening here? Who's writing this in my first book? Well, we, we quickly see that apparently he's already wrote another book. Now, the word book here is used very loosely. This was a letter. Um, it was a, an account, if you will, and it was written uh, by a guy named Luke who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, right? So as we pick it up here in verse 1, Luke is saying this in my first book. Well, what's his first book? It's the book of Luke. And what did Luke do? Luke, Luke was writing down a firsthand account of the believers. He was writing down what he saw. And so this then is a continuation of that. It's like, it's like, 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 you know, the second part of the series. So here's Luke, and who's Theophilus? Here's the thing, we don't know much about Theophilus, uh, other than he was mentioned in Luke chapter 1. Um, when Luke was writing, he mentioned, oh, honorable Theophilus. Most people believe he was uh, someone of importance um, that Luke was trying to convince uh, about the fact that Jesus Christ really did raise from the grave. Why? Uh, because of his position of importance, he could then help spread the word that this really did happen. So here's Luke, and he writes, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Wow. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. What is being talked about right there? Look at what it says. Jesus began to do a work. Now we understand this, that when Jesus went to the cross, we celebrated a little over a week ago, Good Friday. Jesus went to, doesn't Easter seem like four weeks ago? That just hit me right now. I'm like, whoa, last week was Easter? But just a little over a week ago on Good Friday, we celebrated the fact that Jesus went to the cross, but on Sunday we celebrate the fact that he rose again. Amen. Here's what's happened. This is the aftermath now of, of Jesus raising. Bible says that he's on the day, on the, on the earth 40 days visiting his disciples. Well, in one account that we see in the book of Matthew, um, it, it talks about the Great Commission, and I want to read it to you because this is what's referenced in those first couple of verses. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says this. Uh, where did it go? Apparently, I forgot to write it down. Nope, let me get it on my phone. Multitasking. Look at it. Open. Open. Doesn't like my face today. Anybody have that problem when you wake up in the morning, you want to read your Bible, it's like, why are you not opening? And your phone's like, because you're ugly today. <laughs> Whatever. Thank God for the passcode. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 28. This is Jesus now. He's now been risen from the dead. He's traveling, right, for 40 days, meeting up with different uh, disciples. And it says this in Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. As Luke is writing in Acts chapter 1, 
and he gets to that part and he's writing to Theophilus and he says, hey, I, I want to give you an account of all these things and what, what Jesus, when he appeared to his disciples, gave them further instructions. These were the further instructions that were given. That, that, that they ought to go. Now here's what you need to understand. The disciples then took that information they received in Matthew chapter 28 and they processed it and they said, here's how we're gonna be effective. Here's how we're gonna accomplish this greatest mission that we've ever been given by Jesus. We're gonna start the New Testament church. That is how the New Testament church was birthed. The New Testament church was birthed on this great commission. The disciples receiving information from Jesus himself. What are we gonna do? Here's how we're gonna be effective, because here's the thing. The 12 of us can't hit every nation. The 12 of us can't go and baptize everyone, so what are we gonna do? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start the church, and then through the church, we're gonna teach the Great Commission, and then through the church of Jesus Christ, we'll send missionaries to other nations. Are you with me? This is the, this is the plan. He said, hey, I want you to go do this, and they devised the plan, and here it is, unfolding. In Acts chapter one, I love what it said there. I want you to go and baptize. If you've never been water baptized, I would love to talk to you personally about that after church today and tell you more about that and explain to you that great next step in your faith journey because it's a part of the plan. So here he is, he's writing. Until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he had appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse four. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I grew up in church, and one of the versions I grew up on was the New King James Version, so I wanna read this in the New King James Version. And it says this, verse one, Acts chapter one, says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to his apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Love that. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, verse four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say wait. Hey. Here's the great plan. Hey, man, I, I did it. I went, I went to the cross. I was in there for three days. I rose again. I hung out with y'all for 40 days. Now in their minds and in their hearts, this is a revolution that's about to start. I mean, their savior, man, the, the king that's to come, man, the man, he's risen, and man, we're gonna be victorious, and man, awesome things are gonna happen, and this is the great plan he gives them. I want you to go and wait. Here they are, literally ready to go to battle, ready to go to war, ready to, to spark a revolution, ready to see a great awakening. And, and the great plan that, that Jesus gives them is, I want you to go and wait. I hate that. But I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from 
now. I want to speak to you for the next few moments on the wait. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is amazing. I pray, God, in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would just, God, revive us. God, let that be our prayer. God, let that be our desire. And, Lord, as we say that, God, I pray we would position ourselves to hear your word today. We'd position ourselves to be touched by your spirit today. We'd position ourselves to be a part of a spiritual revival. So God, I pray you'd help me now in this place, create an environment for people to discover your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and understand the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, just recently, uh, we uh, were um, taking a bunch of stuff we had in a trailer. We needed to get out of this trailer. It was basically all of my kids' stuff, if I'm honest, uh, from the time they were little to the time they were right now, right? Um, I, know, I know you might think that I'm a hoarder. I'm not, but my children might be, so pray for me, okay? I mean, every toy, every stuffed animal, every, every little thing, right? And so we have boxes upon boxes of stuff, and we, we're moving stuff up to the attic to get it out of the garage because it's stuff they probably won't look at until maybe they have kids one day. Um, but as we were moving stuff up, I came across this, this one that has memories for me too, and I'm like, you're not getting rid of that one. And it's, and it's this massive dollhouse, and some of you that have come over, your kids have actually played with it. It's this massive dollhouse, I mean, it's huge. And as we're putting it up, hoisting it up into the, the attic, uh, trying to make sure it fit through the attic, all that stuff, I was so quickly reminded of the day that they got that for Christmas. And here's why I remember that day so intently, is because I wanted it to be beautiful for them on Christmas morning. I wanted them to, to walk out and see this dollhouse and be like, ah, right? And do I have any parents or grandparents out there know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just an epic feeling when all of a sudden your kids come out and they're like, oh, look what Santa bought me. And I'm like, oh, you're going to discover something about Santa. But in case there's kids sitting in here, we won't say what that is. But here's what I remember about that. I remember the painful Christmas Eve of putting that dollhouse together. I remember piece after piece, part after part, and if you've ever read instructions for things like that, it doesn't make sense. The greatest invention of all time is YouTube. Come on, somebody. Where it's like, I don't understand what they're saying. I'm going to watch somebody for the next 45 minutes put this together so that I can understand how to put it together. And there's this painful process of, of putting this together. Here's what I discovered. Even though the instructions might not make sense, that if you can somehow follow them, that you'll eventually get to a really good product. But if you're anything like me, it's those painful moments of three hours, four hours, five hours, seven hours, kicking the dollhouse. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Like, couldn't we just, couldn't we just bought this all assembled, only to discover that, yes, you could have, Right? <laughs> We just ordered some new stuff for the cafe, and uh, the person that was helping me or order it, um, she was like, okay, well, is it put together yet? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I ordered it put together. Come on, somebody. I know me, all right? And I lack something called patience. And I was like, I, that's not going to happen. And, and here's the thing. I remember those days. And how many parents can remember those days where you're trying to follow those instructions, and you're about losing your mind, but if you can somehow follow it, even if it doesn't make sense, it eventually yields a really great product. Here in Acts chapter 1, the disciples receive some information. They receive some instructions, some further instructions, if you will, 
Because the last time they talked to Jesus, he said, hey, I want you to go into all the earth and make disciples out of everybody. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. And then they get point number two. But for now, I want you to wait. I just want you to go and, I just want you to go and, go and wait. And, and if you're anything, then you got to remember, he's talking to a bunch of dudes at this time. And I don't know if it's just me, but from my observation, I have tend to notice that women can be a little more patient than men. And I thought I would hear some high-pitched amens in that moment, but whatever. <laughs> Trying to help you out, ladies. Whatever. Right? Like, I'll be on. Now, I know that, that there's some guys out there, you're probably like, like no, I'm, 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 pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty patient. Well, good for you. But he's talking to a bunch of dudes. He says, here's what I want you to to go wait. What? You want us to go weigh ourselves? Two words I don't like, wait and wait. They spell differently, but neither one of them really bring joy to me. Right? Just don't. I don't know. I know they say muscle weighs more than fat, but I ain't weighing that much lately, so I don't know. Figure Thank you. This is my favorite row right here. Like, just right, right here. Thank you. I just feel like the Holy Spirit moves more when there's laughter in the crowd. Don't you? Like, it's just so much better. So I want you to go. I want you to go and wait. Wait. That dreaded word that if, if we're honest, let's be honest. If we're honest, even the most patient person struggles with it. Um, just look back to the pandemic, case in point. 194 days of 15 days to slow the spread, right? People are like, what's happening? None of us like to wait. But for some reason, this is the instruction they get. I want you to go wait for the promise. I want you to go wait, wait for the gift, the thing that I told you was coming. Why is it that we struggle with waiting? Uh, for me, I think it's because of the unknown. Like, I know he said, go wait for the gift. I know he talked about a Holy Spirit, but who is a Holy Spirit? And how am I going to know if he comes? And what's he going to look like? And what's that going to be? I think, I think there's a little bit of the unknown when you hear the word wait. you got to go wait. For what? What am I waiting for? The obscurity of that, the unknown of that, the uncertainty of that. I, I don't like. I just, I just, I just, oh, I don't like it. But here's what I've discovered that it's in that wait process that God is doing something that only he can do in your heart, in your life, and in your spirit. It's in that waiting process that, that I, I fully believe that we learn to be dependent upon him because it is unseen, it is unknown, and we don't really know what the outcome's gonna be, but you know what? As long as God's involved in it, it's probably gonna be pretty good. And, 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 and in that waiting moment, in those, in those dark environments, in those cocoon seasons, God is doing something inside of you. God is doing, listen, I'm telling you right now, in the last 12, 14 months, God's been doing something in the church. God's been doing something for his people. Even in those moments when he said, you know, they said you can't gather, and, and some chose to gather, some chose not to. Either way, God was doing something. God was birthing something. Do you know it? And it's awesome because here's what happened. I'll tell you what happened is what the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. Because overnight, every church, come on, went online. 
And the message got out there like never before. So much so, you go back and look at it, so much so that literally online streaming platforms were crashing because they couldn't handle the volume on Sunday morning. True story. I know that because we experienced it. And we reached out to them and said, man, we're being bombarded. We're being blitzed. Think about that. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. He took that cocoon season. He said, I'm going to get my message out there. Now, I'm sure that all the big name preachers, they probably took a bunch of our online listeners, and I'm okay with that. You know why I'm okay with that? Because as long as the gospel's being preached, come on, and people are learning about Jesus, come on, the church is going to increase and the church is going to grow. In those cocoon seasons, though, something is happening. But we, we hate waiting. I hate waiting. Don't enjoy, enjoy the wait. But yet, throughout Scripture, man, we see this throughout Scripture, that waiting is a part of the process. Waiting is a part of the process. I mean, think, think, think just Old Testament for a moment. And, 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 and this guy named Noah that built an ark. Just do a little study on how many years he built that ark. Wow. Waiting. Think about a young man named Joseph who has these dreams and he's going to, great things are going to happen through his life. And well, look, look, look at the wait there. Story after story after, after story. And he says, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go and wait. Listen to a couple of these verses. A couple of these verses on waiting. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. How do they renew their strength? Getting out there and working out. Nope. How do they renew their strength? By waiting on the Lord. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The soul who seeks him. Psalm 33, 20 through 22, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in your holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. James 5, 7 through 8, be patient. <laughs> Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being, being patient about it until it receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Psalm 37, seven, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in this way, over the man who carries out uh, evil devices. Wait, 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 wait. It's a common theme in scripture, and here's what I've discovered. It, it's not just about the wait, but it's about how we wait. It's about how we wait. We need to learn how to wait. Let me just share with you real quickly three ways that I believe we need to wait as seen in Scripture. Number one, number one, this, honestly, we're talking about, man, the spiritual revivingness inside of us, but really, you apply this to any area of your life. Number one, wait patiently. Wait patiently. I think we can all, all tell the difference between someone who waits patiently and someone that doesn't, Right? Right? You know, one is, you know, the impatient waiter. Look at, you look at your pastor. You want a patient waiter? Look at Pastor Steve. Right? <laughs> Kathy's like. Actually, no, I think I probably have that right in that marriage. I think, 
You know, the, 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 the impatient person just kind of like, you know, paces and is like, oh, dear God, what is this? Just look at the people at a stoplight when there's multiple lanes. The impatient person, the one that's like, I'm going right there. You just got one car length ahead. Good job. Right? I'm describing some of you right now. I know it. Right? But see, there's a difference between waiting impatiently and waiting patiently. Now, I know God has worked on my patience over the years, and I've gotten a lot better. I'm still nowhere where I need to be, but I've gotten a lot better. You know, I was told one time that um, in children, God gives you what you need. And God gave me two daughters and no sons. And so now every Sunday morning or any other morning when we're going somewhere, I'm waiting. And, and some people say, well, why didn't you have another kid? It's like, because I would go insane. Because he probably would have gave me another daughter because God gives me what I need. And apparently I need a lot of patience as I'm sitting in the car honking the horn like, oh my gosh, we were supposed to leave 30 seconds ago. What's wrong with you? Do I have any time people out there like, you? hey, this is when we're leaving, and then it gets past that time you're sitting in the car waiting, and you're like, oh, my gosh. We're going to be late. But you can tell the difference between, and here's what the Bible says. The Bible wants us to wait patiently. Psalm 27, 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes. And then he says it again, reminds us. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. That's the way the verse is actually written. <laughs> Let me read it to you again. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. That's the part I like. Yeah, let's go. And then he quickly knows that and he says, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Are, are you hearing this today? I don't know what it is you're waiting on. I don't know what it is God needs to do in your life. I don't know, I don't know where he needs to revive you. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's, maybe it's just your spirituality. I don't know. Maybe it just needs to revive in some area of your life. But here's the thing. Now, we, we can't do anything about it other than wait on him. We can position ourselves for it. Now, we need to get in position for that marriage to be revived. Now, we can do some things. Like, we could go to marriage counseling. What are you doing? You're positioning yourself. We can do some things for spiritual revival. We can pray. We can go to church. What we're doing, we're positioning our, ourselves. But ultimately, we got to wait on God. We got to be. We got to be patient. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I, I learned some things over the last uh, really 36 months. Man, our, our journey of getting into this beautiful facility God gave us. There was literally nothing I could do other than cast the net and say, "Hey, here's what we got. Here it is." And then I just had to sit back and watch God supernaturally provide and come through, through his people. Got to learn to wait patiently. Number, number two, we got to wait expectantly. Expectantly. Listen to what he says to his disciples. He said, hey, I want you to go and wait. But he said what you're waiting for. I want you to go and wait for the promise. I want you to go wait for the Holy Spirit. I want you to go wait for the one that I told you about. It's not like there's just some waiting like, what are we doing here? I have no idea. I just showed up because they told me to show up and just sit around. Why? I have no idea. I'm just hanging out, just kicking it. What's your name? Awesome. Let's be friends as we wait for whatever. Right? Listen to me. When we come to church together, did you know that there's a promise on that? When we come together in worship and in moments like this, an environment like this, there's a promise on that. 
The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is. Well, what's my expectation when I come in on a Sunday morning? My expectation on a Sunday morning isn't like, oh man, I, I hope we have really good worship today because I heard the rehearsal on Thursday night and I don't know. Right? Like, man, I, I really hope that they like my message today. <laughs> they like it every week, whatever. <laughs> man, I really hope, man, that the hospitality goodies are yummy today. Man, I hope the children's people are on. No, that's not my expectation. You know what my expectation is? My expectation is, is God, I want to meet with you today. Man, when we come together, we're waiting to worship. God, would you just show up? Because you promised in your word that you would. Man, the Bible says that he abides in the praises of his people and the worship of his people. Man, when we come together, I have an expectancy when we're worshiping together. And my expectancy isn't that every note would be hit and everything would sound perfect. My expectancy is, God, here we are waiting on you. Would you meet with us? Would you answer us? Would you show up and do what only you can do? I'm waiting with some expectancy. Try it next week. It's pretty awesome. Just, just come next week being like, you know what? I'm going to go to church, and I want the presence of God to meet me. I'm telling you what else. It'll put the fear of God in you. God's going to show up. Probably should go clubbing on Friday night rather than Saturday night then. <laughs> so if I go on Saturday night, and he shows up on Sunday, I don't know. Like, will he know? Yes, he's God. He saw you on Friday night as well. Right? Some, some of you have a nervous laugh. <laughs> Wow, how did, how did he know? Wait expectantly. I'm expecting God to move. I'm expecting him to show up. James 5, 7, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord. There's that word. As you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains. In the fall and in the spring, they eagerly, listen to it now, they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. I might not know fully what it is, but I know that in this wait, if God's involved, it's going to be good. I don't, I don't fully know what it looks like when the Bible says, hey, we're two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is. I don't know what that looks like fully, but I know He's faithful to his word, and so he's going to show up. When it says he abides in the praises and the worship of his people, I don't really fully know what that looks like, but I know he's involved. I know it's going to be, I know it's going to be good. But I must wait expectantly like the farmer. I got to wait patiently. Band, you can come up. I got to wait expectantly. And lastly, I need to wait firmly. What, what does that mean, Firmly. To me, this speaks more of our, our position in waiting. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna position myself, I'm gonna fix myself, so as I'm waiting patiently, expecting for him to show up, then I'm gonna capture the moment when he does show up. I'm gonna wait firmly. I, I, remember, I remember when um, me and my wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, I remember when me and this hot chick first met and uh, is it okay that I'm just real on Sunday mornings is that okay I know I'm not I know I'm, I know this problem this style isn't for everybody but this is who I am 24 7 it really is that's my family they probably get tired of me joking around all the time 
I just, those that know me long enough, sometimes it gets me in trouble. But it's just who I am. And so I remember when we first met, super interested in her, had no idea she was interested in me yet, kind of. Um, I mean, it's hard not to be, but whatever. Um, but those, those, you remember those nervous moments when you first meet, and you're like you're, you're kind of dating, you think, or you're courting, maybe you don't really feel like, what's, what's going on? And you're walking in the mall, you walk close enough to where your hands touch. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's those first nervous moments like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send the signal, is she gonna? Right? all of a sudden her hand kind of comes back and then it's kind of a little and then all of a sudden pretty soon it's like and then you got those butterflies come on I mean, I'm 24 years this year and I still remember those moments somebody, somebody double up on me you got 48, 50 something you still remember those moments man or how about this you know like you take go to the movie and you make sure that the only seat that she can sit in is this one right here and when and she has to use the restroom when she comes back your arm's just kind of resting there And you know it's not gonna be a good date if she looks and she's like, uh, excuse me? But then she sits down and it's like, you didn't put your arm around her, she sat into it. Right? What, what is that? That's, that's me positioning myself, waiting. <laughs> I think this is what the Bible means when it says, hey, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, so, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. What is that? That's, I'm, I'm, I'm fixed. I'm firm. Now, I, I'm working on my patience. I'm patiently waiting. I'm expecting, but I'm so expecting that I'm gonna make sure that I, I, I firmly fix myself. I position myself for when God shows up something good is gonna happen. When God shows up, man, a miracle's gonna happen. When God shows up, my marriage is gonna be fixed. When God shows up, my child is gonna come back to Jesus. When God shows up, he's gonna give me the answer about my career. When God shows up, come on, my body's gonna be healed. When God shows up, man, something significant's gonna happen. I've been waiting patiently. Man, I've been waiting expectantly. And I'm not going anywhere until, God, you show up in this place. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word, God, is awesome. God, your word is powerful. God, your word is amazing. And Lord, I pray as we break into this beautiful book known as Acts, that, Lord, you would take these moments and you would teach us, you would instruct us, you would inspire us, you would, you would, you would cause courage to rise up. And, God, you would take us into these lesson moments where we could add to our life and be a better example of your son Jesus. Go ahead and stand to your feet today. Now, I, wanna, I wanna make this our prayer as we go into this series. Like the psalmist wrote, God revive us. God revive us. I don't know what area of your life needs revived. Maybe it's a spiritual revival. Maybe it's just re-engaging in the word. Maybe it's re-engaging in community with your church. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're here and you felt like you've been in depression that God could revive you today. I believe that with all my heart. So do me a favor, just close your eyes. 
And I want all of us to pray this prayer this morning. Then we're going to open up the altar for some prayer time. But you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it quietly. Come on online. I want you to pray with us. Say, Jesus, I make it my prayer today that you would revive me. Revive my spirit. Revive my soul. I determine to position myself for a move of God. So God, use me wherever and whenever. I'm yours. I belong to you. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm your child. Revive us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.